of a particular emotion or activity. It goes on here to say, which means a convulsion. In this context, the Greek word speaks forcefully of the tremendous impact believers can have on each other. So what that's telling me is a sudden attack or violent expression of an emotion and the impact we have on one another. You know, it may take, it may take Brother Mark something he says up here or him lifting a hand during praise and worship. I may need to see that to be where God wants me to be that morning, that day. I may need to see Jimbo raise his hands and, and praise to God. I may need to see Bradley come to the altar to, to get what God has intended for me that day. And I'm only going to do that if I show up and surround myself with God's people. I can't do that from home. I can't see Bradley come to this altar from my house if I'm not here. And believe me, I'm, <laughs> I'm preaching to myself a lot right here. Listen, since February of this year, that's been seven months. Uh, I've been to church more in those seven months than I was the last five years combined before that. We've been coming here now off and on for five to six years. But I allow myself to stay out of church. Well, I don't have to go to church to be saved. I don't have to go to church to be blessed. No, I had to go to travel ball tournaments to be blessed. That was the problem. The things in my life that were had meaning to me were not the things of God and not the things that I should have been doing with my life. And until we surround ourselves with God's people and God's uh, house of worship, we can't have those things. You can have them, but not like you can here. It goes on to say, it says the author exhorts the Hebrew to gather together. Evidently, some believers had stopped attending the worship services of the church, perhaps because they feared persecution. The author does not use the usual Greek word for church, perhaps because the term has uh, come to mean the spiritual, invisible body of the believers. Instead, he used a compound form of the word synagogue, which specifically means the local Physical gathering of believers. Exhorting means coming alongside and inspiring another with the truth. The local assembly is where the gospel message is preached, but also where the word of God is applied to the circumstances of our life. I know that's a lot, but that's, that's deep. That's big. You know, um, I looked up forsaken. It said abandoned or give up something valued or pleasant. Okay. Why would we want to give up something that's valued or pleasant in our life? That's what we do when we forsake the coming together of, of, of each and every Sunday morning. When we come here, um, if we decide not to come here and, and to go our own ways, you know, that, that's, that, that morning we have given up something that is valued by us or pleasant to us or those around us. Exhort. Exhort definition, strongly encourage or urge someone to do something. We should encourage each other. That's what we do. Listen, I, I can't go uh, half a week anymore. By the time Wednesday comes, I need to be here. I need to be here Wednesday night. I love my brothers that I do my studies with. It means the world to me. I look forward to it. My wife tells me that morning, hey, it's church day, before I even get out of the bed. And that does something to me. I know that day that no matter what's thrown at me, I'm going to get through it and I'm going to get to church that night. And I'm going to get recharged. 
we got to come here and be recharged. You know, it's like the electrical cars driving around now. Okay, I can't even go half a week just like them without needing recharged again. And that's what we do when we come here. One more scripture, um, Psalms 133 and verse 1. It says, Behold how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. There's that word pleasant again. What was the definition of forsake? Abandoned or give up something valued or pleasant. And verse 1 is saying, How good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Look, a lot of times we want to think and feel like we've got it all figured out. We don't. I don't. I have to find out the hard way each and every week how big of a dummy I am. Um, I don't know everything. I don't have it all figured out. I need my Christian brothers and sisters help along the way. I need their ministering to me. I, I, I want to minister to them. I don't want to forsake myself the blessings that God has for me by not showing up where I need to be. So, you know, we've been talking about love and love and love and all the different terms and definitions and, and what it means and how to apply it. Well, this is another form of love. It's the unity of your brothers and sisters in Christ. Look, we need each other. Amen. Thank you, brother. Good word this morning. Good word. Um, only other announcement that wasn't in the bulletin because it just happened this morning, but um, Tracy and Josh Speakman had finished up the decals. Can I can I get you some credit with that, Josh, or is that all Tracy? Okay, it's all Tracy. So they're back there on the table. She's got 80 of them. So, I mean, if you want one, get one. They're free. Just make do what? You... <laughs> So just be sure to tell them how much you appreciate it. I put, I put both. Uh, she gave me two last week. I put them on the back of mine and Gabby's vehicle. They look great and easy to put on. Um, so they did a good job. It's a great job. So again, we thank you for that. Thank y'all. Yeah. Um, let's receive our offering just now. Amen. Yeah. Talking about being obedient to God. This is one of those areas where we're obedient in. And I forgot to bring the, the offering envelopes or the offering plates out. Um, you know, we don't stand up here and preach for money or nothing like that by no means. We, we just say, hey, we're doing this because this is what God's told us to do, right? We give because God's told us to give. Jesus came to serve. We come to serve. That's why we're here is to serve him. And, and so we, uh, we're just doing according to what the Word of God says and, you know, I don't know anywhere in the Bible where it says that they come forward and, you know, everybody received offering and passed a plate and all this kind of stuff. But this is what we do, isn't it? So there's no nothing wrong with it. We do it in the name of Jesus, right? Because that's who we're getting our blessings from, not man. It all comes from God. Amen. As we pray this morning, 
Uh, we're going to pray for Miss Pat's sister. She did say that she was doing better. She, last week we prayed because she was on a ventilator, and she's off the ventilator, and they're going to do a heart procedure. So that's that's just God's working and moving in her life, and we, you know, praise God for that. Um, but she also asked prayer for her granddaughter, Allie, right, Miss Pat? She's got some health issues, so so we're going to pray this morning for that. Um, and so anything else this morning? Okay. Um, okay. We sure will. Ma'am? Lee and Jared. Okay. All right. All right. Well, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come right now and we thank you again for this time together this morning that we're allowed to be here and join together in unity and one accord, not for just not for ourselves, but all praise and glory and honor goes back to you. And through that, you're going to bless us because we're we're here doing what we're told and what you've showed us and how to do and how to live. Father, God, we just ask it. You touch each and every one of these needs that were mentioned this morning. Miss Lynn, rather, that you just touch and, God, heal this, heal her body. Father, this cancer, we know, Father, that you're still in the healing business. We believe in it. We trust in you, and we thank you for it right now. We pray for Miss Pat's sister. Continue, to, God, for, to heal her. We thank you for the good report about being off the ventilator. And, Father, we just believe that we're going to hear another one when they do go in to check the heart out, Father, that everything will be good. And, and God, you just touch and move in that whole situation. Pray for her granddaughter, God, Allie, that you touch her, whatever's going on in her body right now, in her life, that you just touch and heal. And, and Father, you just work in that whole situation. We pray for Miss Elizabeth Crawford. God, that you touch her, heal her where she failed, God, that she can be strong and and in her bones and in her whole body, Father, right now in the name of Jesus. We thank you for it. God, any other needs that was mentioned and not mentioned, God, that you touch and move through this whole service today. You be with Pat as he brings the word this morning. God, that he just has boldness and, and just the freedom to, to express himself as you would have him to, Father. And that everyone here will open their hearts and their minds to receive this morning. And God, that we do not leave like we came and we go out better, ready to, ready to take on these challenges each and every day that we face because we know that you're with us walking and, and ahead of us every step of the way. We would thank you for God, we just ask you bless this offering this morning, that you tithes and offerings, that God, that you just accept them, and God, that you just uh, bless each and every one in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 You feel better this morning? Amen. We laid our burdens down. That's right. Children can go to children's church. I know they're happy this morning. That's right. We're missing a few this morning. We only have a big slew of them going, but it is Labor Day and weekend and people are out vacationing and I get it. Like on the sign, enjoy your last summer vacation. You know, I read that, and I know it's the last summer vacation of this year, but 
You know, you could read that and be like, I hope it's not my last one. But no, we thank Mama. She's not in here for, for doing that. Um, my mom, she does a great job on the sign all the time. We thank her for it. Um, I do want to just welcome everybody. You know, we've been celebrating. We did, what, two weeks ago, our 35th anniversary. Well, today is actually the day, 35 years ago, that we started Victory Fellowship Church. Amen. And it looks a lot different. It does. Eleven people that day. I ain't counting this morning, y'all. Everybody can see we don't have a thing on the wall that shows the attendance we had. We're not going to, but uh, but no, we just thank all y'all for being here, and I uh, hope you enjoy this morning. And I asked Pat to come preach this morning, and I know he's going to bring the word of God, and we're going to we're going to listen and hear and receive this morning. Amen. Amen. Good to be here. No better place to be than, of course, God's house. Um, This morning we're going to talk a little bit about uh, uh, complicated. So I know when uh, Mark asked me for a title, and, and I don't really do titles a whole lot, but when you look at it and it says Christian Life Complicated, you know, it's meant to make you think. So what if you said, is Christian life complicated? I think everybody can identify with some of that. But what if you said Christian life is or is Christian life complicated? So you either make a statement that it is or you ask a question clarifying what it is. The Bible tells us it's not. Um... You know, I battle with this uh, daily and have for years, and um, there's lots of things in life that may be complicated, but our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, is not one of them. As a Christian, and our Christian life should not be complicated. Ask yourself this, at what point does your Christian life become complicated? Every time, we'll go back to you. I mean, I can tell you a laundry list from me of what all seems complicated. You know, and it it all involves me. And I'm sure you can ask yourselves the same questions. What is complicated about my Christian life? It's me. You know, God's Word is the only truth that we will ever be exposed to as long as we are alive. That's the only unfallible thing in your life. That's the only truth in your life. That is the only consistent thing in your life. So again, I ask you, is is life really complicated for Christians? And you know what I found is in my life it is very complicated because I always am trying to measure things. Uh, You know, I'm trying to be better than my neighbor or I'm trying to judge what I do based off what they do. I try to put a, a, a mark on sin, um, you know, that, that my sin is not as bad as somebody else's sin. Because, you know, I fall back and I say, well, you know, I'm just, I'm trying. So that makes mine not any worse. But that's when things start getting complicated. That's when we start getting into that, that game that the world plays, that game of manipulation, 
that game of, of, of holding things over your head and, and trying to manipulate you into doing things that you ordinarily wouldn't do. Uh, calling things that, that are that ain't. That making things right that is not right. Making things that are wrong that are right. I mean, look at the world around us of, of how uh, socially we're uh, in, socially we're morally bankrupt. And it's hard to, to keep that from our lives. So if you look at it from that aspect, it is very complicated. But again, we have something here um, that should keep that uncomplicated, right? Um, you know, it's, it's not always about, um, you know, actions and um, stuff. And, uh, but one thing about being a Christian, you have to have a purpose. Um, there is action involved in all of that. I mean, it's easy to come to church on Sunday, and, and we say it is, but again, we look here today and, and our pews are not full, and then we, 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 we make excuses and we justify things, and, and some of them are truths, but in the back of our mind, we know that going on vacation is not why the pews are not full. And it's not this church. I mean, you can go across the road to the Baptist. I mean, you can go down the road to the Methodist, and every parking lot is, is not full. Every sanctuary is not full. And the thing of the matter is, is, is that is really what's complicating folks' lives. And if we let it get in us, that's what complicates our life. We get discouraged, uh, you know, by numbers. Uh, we get discouraged by uh, attendance. We get discouraged by, you know, when people tithe. And we get discouraged by all these things that the devil uses. Uh, to complicate things for us. But really and truly, if we back up to the very beginning, God created us in His image. We have all the power right here if we just keep out there out of it. I'm going to read from uh, Isaiah uh, 41, verses uh, 9 through 13. And it's kind of lengthy and there's a lot in it, and you can go for days and days and days. But it's about as simple as, as things can get. Uh, so verse 9 starts out, it says, whom, You whom I have taken from the ends of the earth and called from the furthermost regions and said to you, You are my servant. Folks, today we are his servants. Whether we accept it, whether we're serving, whether we're not, we are his servants. He's talking to the children of Israel here. I mean, just look back at the history of, of just this one country, where they came from and what they've endured to still be God's servant and is still prospering and still blessed today. He um, says, You are my servant. I have chosen you and have not cast you away. Ten says, Fear not, for I am with you. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will, I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Eleven says, Behold, all those who are um, incensed against you shall be ashamed and disgraced. They shall be as nothing. And those who strife uh, with you shall perish. Verse 12 says, You shall seek them and not find them. Those who contended with you shall be as nothing as non as a non-existent thing. 13 says, For I am the Lord your God, uh, will hold your hand, saying to you, Fear not, I will help you. So again, I ask you, why 
do we get complicated? Why do we feel like things are complicated? I mean, where is our life at? You know, we all know that, that fear has no place for us. But we also know when it hits us, it hits pretty hard, right? Um, it's easy to get caught up, in, and you know, and I still do. You know, and every time I, I, I reach a point where I, I think, you know, God's blessed me and I, and I kind of feel comfortable and I kind of relax, there's back of my mind is going, well, you know what, I, I'm afraid to do that because, you know, it's too good, right? Have we ever been to a point in our life where we thought hey, everything is going good is too good? We're afraid to say it out loud. We're afraid the devil's going to come get us. He's going to come get you anyway. I mean, understand that the God that we serve chose us. Right? He chose us. He created us. Everything that you see around you, God created. And when you look in the mirror, God created you. Whether you accept it, whether you act right, whether you don't act right, God created you. So the power that took that it took to do all these things lives in each and every one of us. And I think we don't really fully understand that. I think we make statements like, well, you know, you just don't understand, brother. It's complicated. It's not complicated. You know, the only thing complicated about our lives is us. It's not complicated. Well, you don't understand. You haven't been where I've been. I promise you somebody has. And I promise you a lot of times I have. See, I came from the other side of the tracks. Some of you know, some of you don't know. But I've been in a lot of places that that hopefully none of y'all will go. But I promise you in God's house, this house was put here for sinners. Right? Well, I mean, none of us are perfect, right? I mean, this is if, it, if, it, if everything was perfect, then when you flipped on the news, then, then everything would be puppy dogs and sunshine, right? But this house is here for a reason. It's not for all the great and wonderful and perfect folks. I mean, yes, there's some righteous folks. And yes, that's part of what makes us righteous. That's part of what makes us and puts us in right standing with God is coming to His house. But we still mess up. But it's not confusing. I want you to think about when you were little. And you can think about it. You can look around you now and think about Everybody that's had kids and got kids and you see the little kids here. If you've ever been involved in, in church or ministry or, or teaching or, or Bible school or Sunday school or whatever, the difference between, say, a 10-year-old kid and an 18-year-old kid. Think back. Have we got so old that we can't remember when life was simple? When life was pure, when we wasn't thinking about getting one over on somebody else, right? Where we wasn't thinking on getting back at somebody, well, he hit me. I mean, think back to how simple it is. Why can it not be that simple today? And everybody goes, well, it's because, uh, you know, it's because it's complicated. It is complicated. You're not. Nothing's changed. I mean, the Bible tells us that, that we're only here a short time before the devil comes for us, right? We know he's coming. Again, if we read the only truth that there is in front of us, 
He tells us the answers to everything that we're going to face. Everything. He gives us a way out of everything. He tells us here, I'm not. I, I, I chose you. Fear not. I'm not leaving you alone. But you've got to ask on me. How many times? How many times has God blessed you? How many times has God held your hand and carried you through something? Only to when you got to the other side, you grabbed the steering wheel back. That's not complicated. I mean, everything that happens in most of our lives is caused by us or is caused by situations around us. Even if we didn't have any control in it, we do have control here. It's not complicated. The world doesn't know. They've never known. There's folks that are never going to know what we know what we should know, what we should proclaim, what we should use as a shield, what we should use to encourage, what we should use to fight. And I agree that we all are at war with the enemy. It's just a lot of times the enemy is the person we look at in the mirror. You know, am I, maybe I'm only talking to myself, but I know I'm not. I know, you know, when, when somebody comes and they speak and, and, you know, they're very matter-of-fact, and uh, people start setting back, and it's that way, you know, it's too direct, it's too forward. But it's because it's the truth. Our biggest enemy, 99% of the time, is the person we look at in the mirror. You know, I can remember one time uh, I got in trouble with, with some buddies of mine back when we were in school, and their parent called my mother and, uh, the only parent that the child had called my mother and said, "Well, look, you know, I think our kids we're going to have to they're going to have to stay apart. They're going to have to be separated. They can't hang out together." Um, she goes, "Well, okay. Well, what's up? Well, you know, they they've been they've been doing some stuff. They they've gotten some trouble. And of course, my mother didn't realize it because I didn't come home with the black eye. You know, that friend of mine came home with the black eye. So, well, well y'all y'all can no longer hang out." You know, uh, they're a bad influence on each other. He wasn't a bad influence on me, nor was I a bad influence on him. We were just bad influences together. <laughs> right? I mean, my mother told him, and she knew. She goes, well, you know, and I'm not going to say his name, but she said, well, you know, uh, nobody's twisted Pat's arm to do the things he done. I know your son didn't make him Go drink that beer. I know your son didn't make him go, want to go to that party. I know that your son didn't make him go get in fights. I know he didn't do any of those things. But I think sometimes we forget. Now, it's also true that the older you get and the more involved you get in things, that you will be what you are around. Which goes back to forsaking the assembly. How light we take it um, not to go to church today. Or not to go on Wednesday night. Or not to go when we have a, you know, a prayer walk at the school. Or, or not to go when we have a, a, a singing for the community. Or, or not to go for all these reasons. Well, you know, I don't really get nothing out of it. Well, maybe it's not really for you to get something out of. 
right? Maybe, maybe it's just like Brad said. Maybe, maybe your job today is to bless somebody else, to be part of their blessing. Maybe it's not about me getting blessed today or tonight or, or next week or tomorrow. Maybe it's about me helping to encourage somebody and say, well, you know what? You know, when I was addicted to drugs and when I was an alcoholic, this is some of the things that I had to look at. This is some of the things that I had to do. Maybe that's the encouragement. Maybe it's not about me getting blessed. Maybe it's about somebody else getting blessed. But again, at the end of the day, he says, fear not. Fear not, I ain't left you. I mean, we've got to understand that truth. You know, when, when we don't have the money to pay our bills, I mean, again, my list goes, it's, it's huge. So, you know, every time I'd be like, God, I can't believe you're doing this. And he goes, well, what am I doing? Well, you know, I ain't got money to pay this. I ain't got money to pay that. And, and then I start looking around the yard and I see all these vehicles and I'm like, then, you know, I look in that garage and there's a UTV in it. And I mean, did I need all those vehicles? I mean, I got one that ain't been drove and I don't know when. I mean, so again, if there's financial issues, guess what? God's going to show you how to get through those. I mean, do we need stuff? You know, and I'm raising three young men. I'm trying to teach them. Because that's the thing of it is, is, is between social relationships and finances is the first things that's going to attack everybody. Right? Most of our problems today come from our personal relationships or finances. God says, fear not, I hadn't left you. You left me. Have you let God in on some of your plans? Have you asked God what he thought about some of your plans? So we want to know what God thinks about some of our plans. But it's the same thing. So, you know, I tell my kids, they're like, well, you know, I don't make enough money or I don't do this and I don't do that. And I said, well, you got a $1,000 phone there, don't you? I mean, really? $1,000 phone. Right? Got to stop by the store. How many times? So, store got a $2 coat. You can buy them at Dollar General. You can buy a three liter for what? Two bucks? So, again, fear not. I, I'm here. I hadn't left. This is what God says. I haven't left you. You left me. How many of us has went out and bought something? And this got caught up in the whole buying frenzy. And then after we bought it, after we bought it, we come home, we're like, holy smokes, what did I do? Huh? Did I really need that $1,200 shotgun? I mean, how many guns do you need? <laughs> well, I knew there'd be somebody. I could probably name some things. <laughs> Speaking of that, since I heard that, yes, I can remember one time, um, you know, we were fortunate to grow up in a home where only one parent worked. Our mother stayed at home, as it should be. Uh, Stayed at home, took care of us. Um, Of course, she had her hands full with me. But I can remember, you know, there was a budget. I seen my mother wearing nothing. I mean, I mean, let me hurry up. I mean, she had shorts, but they just tore all the pieces. 
you know, shoes tore up. I mean, she had a few clothes that she wore to church on Sunday, and she looked nice. But, you know, the rest of the time, I mean, she looked like she lived under a bridge. And it wasn't that important to her because she gave us stuff, right? So Daddy could go to the co-op and buy some cow medicine or whatever. And he could come back and Mama would be like, where's the receipt so I can write it down in the checkbook? And so Daddy would have a bag or a box. It was about that size right there. And it'd be five, six hundred dollars in it. And Mama would go, how in the world can you fit five or six hundred dollars in there? So yeah, I mean, yeah, he needs that shotgun, but everybody has those issues. Um, you know, again, God hasn't left us. We've left him. And everything we do, we have to understand that when I'm standing there, and, and God usually grabs me up pretty quick, and I, I don't have to meditate on it too long, that I said, well, God, you know, why? Why, why we do this? Why, why we don't do that? Why am I not blessed here? Well, sell some of your junk. I mean, how many guns you got? Sell one of them. Sell two or three of them. Sell four of them. How many trips you make? I mean, how many of us get, get so beside ourselves sometimes we get in a vehicle and we just drive? And we just, you know, drive. Ain't really got no reason. You know, we call it therapeutic and, you know, it helps us think. And, you know, at windshield time. And I do. I do a lot of, I think I solve a lot of the world's problems looking through the windshield. Um, and I don't. But again, think about what we're doing. I mean, I could take that time and I could sit, I could sit down with God and I could read His Word. There's, there's always an avenue that God's wanting us to make a step toward. I mean, think about it. Where everybody talks about how they don't have money, they don't have this. You know, their life is just so terrible. At one point in time, I had about a hundred employees work for me. And it was the same thing in every location. Boss, I need to work. I need to work overtime. I need to do this. I need to do that. And this all came about on a Monday morning, but by the time we got to Wednesday and it got time to doing it, then, yeah, I mean, I did it. I mean, I have all kind of ambitions on Monday. I'm heck out of the gate. It's just when it required the effort and the time to finish, then, you know, I started backing off. But then you start talking to them. You're like, well, man, I said, if it's that bad, you know, let's, we can work. We can do we can work on Saturdays. We can work after work. We can, you know, do all these different things. And most of the time, nobody wanted to put forth the effort. Again, which goes back to who left who. And so you talk to him. You say, well, brother, if you ain't got no money, I mean, didn't you just take vacation and you went to Florida? Well, you don't understand. It's complicated. What's well, complicated? Well, you know, I, I reserved this, this, you know, this place, you know, a couple months ago, but was you broke a couple months ago? Well, yeah. And so now you're planning on working to make up for all of that. I mean, look at it. Look at look at the price of, of fuel and gas. And then drive by a love truck stop. Again, who's left who? What kind of problems do we really have? Is it really complicated? And saying, I'm not, you know, a highly educated man. I, I have to keep things simple because I am 
a very simple person. So I know it can't be that if I've got it figured out, then why do we not have it figured out? Why has the body of Christ not got it figured out? Why does the church not have it figured out? Why are we rewriting the Bible and accepting all these things in life that's going on in today's time? Why do we continue to accept it all? And then sit back and wonder why things are the way they are. Is it really complicated? Again, who's left who? Uh, John 8, uh, 31 through 36. says, Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. Just think about that. So, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. Again, you have to know his word. You have to spend time in his word. And even spending time in it. I mean, do you know how many times that I've sat down and read the Bible and, and be, you know, 30, 40 minutes in it and I couldn't tell you what the first word that it was that I read. I mean, it's, it's explaining these things that we went through to get to where we're at. And not that maybe we're to the end by any means, but so people understand that, hey, this is the challenges that you face. That these young men and women, you tell them and say, look, you're not the only one that sat down and read that Bible for 30 minutes and then forgot what you read 30 minutes ago. I mean, ask some of these teachers at school. Ask any of them about how long is their attention span. What is it, 10 minutes, 15 minutes? Ask my wife how long my attention span is. So there you go. Um, So again, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. So how do you abide in anything? Now, I couldn't go tell anybody anything about pre-calculus or calculus and probably couldn't do a real solid job of, of, I know a little bit about history, but like English, I probably couldn't do that either. Because, you know, it's above my head. So whatever version I have right now, that's probably the version I'm going to die with. So if it offends you, I'm sorry. (laughs) Verse 32. It says, And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Again, you know, God tells us in Isaiah, He says, Fear not. Be not dismayed. I'm going to take care of the folks that come against you. Is that part of what makes that the truth there? That makes us free? It gets better. 33. They answered him and said, We're Abraham's descendants and have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you will be made free? Mm-hmm. I'm a Fitzgerald. I live in Fallsville, Alabama. You know, my granddaddy owned this and granddaddy on the other side, they owned this. I've never been a slave to anything. I was been a slave to all kinds of stuff. I mean, the world over. You know, got caught up with the wrong folks at the wrong time, doing the wrong things, went down the wrong path. And I justified it all because, you know, I went to work every day. Well, the reason I went to work every day is I, I it never clicked that I could just rob, pillage, and steal. I went to work every day so I could supply some money for the habits I had. You know, 
So how can you say you will be made free? I mean, how many times do we argue with God? It's complicated, God. You don't understand. You know, I've got all these bills. I made all these mistakes. You know, I did this. I said that. Let God have it. Look here, I got bills, and I probably had to work for them. I don't know. 80? I don't know. But I promise you, the day I stand before you, I'm free as a bird. I don't wake up every morning worrying and dreading going to work. Oh, my goodness, who have I got to deal with today? All the drama, all the stuff. And there he is, lots of drama. Uh, just drama everywhere you go. But you can be free if you put what's important where it belongs. Verse 34. says, Jesus answered them, Most assuredly I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. I mean, we know it. We know it. Is there anything good comes out of it? I've heard so many sermons here lately justifying and, and preaching um, how it's, it's okay to lie. There's circumstances, it's okay to lie. I mean, and this is what we're hearing. This is what's being taught. It's okay, well, if you're not happy, just change your direction. Just do something different. It don't matter. What does the Bible say? It doesn't matter. Divorce, don't work it out. It don't matter. Yours is different. It's complicated. Is it complicated? Um, you know, I, I didn't have a good enough job. I, um, you know, uh, I couldn't afford a child. So well, what about somebody wanting to adopt me? I, you know, it's just easier to just go to the doctor and take a pill and do this or do that. and It's complicated. Is it complicated? Folks, I mean, this is the thing where we've got to. Well, you know, I woke up this morning and I decided I want to be a woman. Right? I mean, we're talking about the truth here. We're talking about God's Word. Did God make a mistake? No, He most certainly didn't. It's complicated. Is it? Now, folks, I'm not saying go out here and get you, uh, you signs and and chains and, you know, start, you know, pillaging just to prove God's point. God's, God's a pretty big God last time I checked, right? But there is a time and there is an opportunity for you to stand and to say what needs to be said. Right? I mean, you don't have to elaborate and you don't have to go off the deep end. I mean, it's just pretty simple. God says what God says. But again, we have to know. We have to abide in Him uh, and assuredly we'll be His disciples indeed, Right? So we have to know God's Word to know that God did not make a mistake. That contrary to what I thought this morning when I looked in the mirror, I'm what God made me. Whether you like it or not, that's what it is. I wasn't born different. I wasn't born that way. That's called sin. We all have to deal with it every day. You deal with it. You work through it. You repent. You ask God to help you move forward. But again, complicated. <clears throat> it says, Jesus answered, and most surely I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave to sin. Uh, 35. And a slave 
And a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. I mean, think about it. I mean, he had to dumb it down so people like me could get it. Right? I mean, the only way I would abide is if I didn't get sold or, uh, you know, didn't get reprimanded, didn't get killed, didn't get beat down. I I probably wouldn't have been a good slave. So I probably, thanks, wouldn't have been in the house for long. But a son abides there forever. You know, family, blood. Blood thicker than water, right? What blood we got in us? Think about it. What blood do we have in us? What blood gave us this life we have that gives us this life more abundant? But we have to know the truth, 36. It says, Therefore, if the Son makes you free, <clears throat> you shall be free indeed. Now he brings it full circle. He's like, see, I told you. The only way you get the freedom is through me. Um, James 5, 12. This will be the last verse. I didn't give it to nobody, so I'll read it. It says, But above all, my brethren, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or with any other oath, but let your yes be a yes and your no be a no, lest you fall into judgment. Folks, that's a simple. We talk a lot about it on... uh, Wednesday nights with the young adults now, and you know they're they're in the middle of all the things that they're in the middle of. I mean, think about what causes our complications. I mean, I can think about it at, at, at you know at home, and you know, and I tell my wife, well, if you'll do this, then I'll do this. How many of us did that? Yeah, right. And then wife tells you, well, you know, you did this, so I'm gonna do that. Well, if you wasn't so mean, I wouldn't be so mean. Right? I mean, how many people do you think that their divorce started off just that simple? I did. Sure did. So do we know the truth? Is it complicated? I mean, look, everything gets complicated after the fact. You think it was complicated for my sons? To have two houses to have to go back to? Three houses? Now, my nephew, I mean, do you think maybe their life is pretty complicated? It was. You know, I'm trying to teach them how it not to be complicated, but did they have anything to do with any of it? Did my son, did my stepson, did my nephew have anything to do with all the dysfunction that got thrown in the middle of them? Sure didn't. Did I have something to do with it? Of course. Was I the aggressor? No. But I had a choice. Was it the right choice? I don't know. Was it the wrong choice? Most assuredly. Have I had forgiveness from it? Most assuredly. Do I urge it for anybody? No, it's not an option. So I want you to think about it. Is it complicated? So my life now, I've been able to see what being married is all about. You know, God gave me a second chance. Right? So I've seen what life can be. Does that 
take away from the fact of what was done was wrong? No, it don't. But God gave me a second chance. Did the kids have anything to do with it? No, but they're the ones that suffered. But so the point being is, at this point in time in life, in the church, the church is, is, is at a greater risk of, of all the sins they commit, just like the world is. There's not a whole lot of difference. You know, abortion is high in the church. Divorce is, high, is as high in the church as it is outside the church. So all these sins are creeping in, and somehow or another, we're holding it all. And I, we just said, I got a second chance. I got forgiveness, and there's, there's truth in that. But the most important thing is to hit it off before it stops. So my job now is to teach and correct any way and every way I can using the Bible that we don't get to that point. So my challenges to the church are this. If you got problems, are y'all both working on God's plan? Right? So I'm not surprised by why it doesn't happen. But I ask you this. So how can two children of God, joint heirs, how can two children of God not work it out if they're both seeking? If they're both engaged in seeking God's Word, how can it happen? And I hear, well, you know, it's complicated. It's not complicated. One or both are not doing what you say you're doing. You might fool me half the time, but according to God's Word, you're not fooling me at all. So again, is it complicated? Is it not? Well, you don't understand. You know, I was married and you know, I cheated on my wife or I cheated on my husband and you know, I got pregnant and you know, I had to go get an abortion because I didn't want my husband to know. Is it complicated? You know, the Bible tells us wages of sin is what? I mean, think about it. I mean, sin is bad. I mean, why would it be death? You know, I'll be the first to tell you, back when I was drinking and doing drugs, I loved it. It was great. But guess what? If I'd have kept doing it, I'd have been dead. Unless I ended up in prison beforehand. And then I might still have been dead, you know. That's not a, you know, 4-H camp, from what I hear. You know, the tanks I've been in wasn't no fun, but I don't know what, you know, the, the, the big boy stuff is. So the wages of sin is death. So there's some simple truths of the Bible. And it will set you free if you'll let it. You know, the only time anything gets complicated when we're talking about religion is when we start compromising. When we start justifying the things that we do and why we do them. And I was the king of compromise. I still, in the mirror, we fight just about every day. Um, my wife does a good job of reeling me in. Um, I don't tell her, uh, probably often enough. But she does. You know, what's that saying she always says? Uh, That's not very Christian of you. Yeah, we don't peel no band-aids off. We just go straight for the 
necessary part. But I mean, that's what we're here for. You know, I try to teach young folks on Wednesday, and I try to teach my kids the same thing. That anything other than yes and no, we're backing up. The maybes, who's got the better deal? Um, you know, I've told this story before. Luke used to call and he said, well, Dave, what are we doing this weekend? I said, I don't know. Of course, I know what he's doing. He's trying to see who's got the better deal. <laughs> right? I mean, is that not what we do? You know, you call your buddies up and say, hey, what are, what are y'all doing tonight? <laughs> then you call this one up and go, hey, what are y'all doing tonight? Well, you know what? If, if everything works out all right, you know, and creeks don't rise. and I mean, we learn this stuff at a very young age, right? Uh, but anyway, he called and he said, well, Dave, what are we doing? I said, I don't know. Then later on that week, he says, well, I'm going to stay at my I said, well, okay. <laughs> so he called Saturday morning about 10 o'clock. And, hey, what are you doing, Eddie? Fishing? Way on the lake. He's like, what? <laughs> so, yeah, the I don't knows and the maybes, I mean, there's, there's a reason why God says, Swear by anything. One, it's dangerous, but two, I mean, it just, you can't commit. So if you can't tell somebody yes or no, then how can you tell God yes or no? What? How can you be direct with God? And the problem is, is it's kind of a catch 22. So the problem is that in today's um, society and today's social um, atmosphere is. Our relationship with our peers looks just like our relationship with our God. That's a huge problem. Now, granted, our, our relationship with God ought, ought to be the same as with our peers, but it's when God's plan, and it's God's way. But again, I mean, when people are talking about, well, it's okay to lie, as long as there's something good comes out of it. You know, kind of like there's good witches, bad witches. You know, well, you know, it's okay. You know, it's just love. That's what we was born to do, right? This is what we was born. It's just natural. I mean, is that not the same thinking? This week I challenge you just to know the truth. Just live the truth. And guess what? There's going to be complications, and it has nothing to do with God. I promise you, I'll have complications this week, and it has nothing to do with anybody but me. But check yourself. Back up and understand. Claim that victory. You know, be free. Even if it's for a day. Try God's freedom. Quit making excuses. Quit quit accepting that there's complications. Quit accepting that that our Lord and Savior could possibly make a mistake. Don't accept any of it. Know the truth. Share the truth. Just one day. And then maybe that one day will turn into two days. 
Maybe that two days turn in three days, but know the truth. Speak the truth. Live the truth. Cole, you got some music? This morning we'll take a few minutes.